I am so glad that you are here this morning, and I believe that what you're about to hear in the next few moments may actually change your life, and I don't say that lightly. I say it very intentionally, and I don't often throw that around and just say it. You know, you never hear me. Often you'll hear me say, you know, I'm excited about the message, or I'm anxious to get into this talk uh, with you today, but I don't always say week after week after week, uh, you know, it will change your life. Even if I say, even if I believe it, I don't always say it. Because after a while, if you say the same thing, people just like tune you out. But I'm saying today that if you will listen up, there may be something within this message that God has for you that will change your life. And in just a few moments, you're going to understand why. I'm glad you're here. And you know, in this series, we've been looking about a, at a lot of different things. We've been talking about the pursuit of happiness. One of the things that I shared with you early on in this series, if, that you, if you set it as your priority and say, you know what I want? I want, and it's a priority, and it's all I want, and I'm going after it with everything that is within me. My whole focus in life is to be happy. No matter what it takes, I, my focus is to be happy. In reality, if that is our focus, most likely we're not going to be a very joyful person. But if instead we said, you know what? I want a meaningful life. I want a life that is filled with purpose and destiny. When you go after a meaningful life, you know what happens? Happiness actually gets thrown in. And last week I shared with you that a lot of people think, well, all right, here's the, here is the way that I become a happy person. You know, I, I've got to promote myself. I've got to advance myself. I've got to serve myself. Life has got to be about me, 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 me. And I shared with you that the antithesis of that is actually what is true, that when we love others and we serve others and we help others and we lift up other people, that that is where true joy and happiness is found. I know a lot of people that when they're feeling down or discouraged, they think, well, you know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit here in my pity. I'm just going to sit here and feel sorry for myself. And quite actually what happens, they become more discouraged and more depressed because again, centralized in their thinking is me. And the longer they sit there and the longer that they feel sorry for themselves and the longer that they will wallow around in self-pity, it, it just grows. But if instead, as I shared with you at the end of last week's talk, when you're feeling down or when you're feeling discouraged, if you'll say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and help somebody. I'm going to go and serve somebody. I'm going to reach out to somebody in need. You end up serving them, but God blesses you. And you say, well, you know what? I don't feel down anymore. I don't feel discouraged anymore. And we're learning a lot together. And in our time together today, I want to talk to you about what is very well the number one reason why scores of individuals are unhappy and joyless. It may be about, among everything else that we've been talking about, this may be the number one thing that keeps people from experiencing the joy-filled life that God actually wants them to have. And here it is. It is this, it is this idea of I cannot reach out. I cannot reach out and grab joy today because I'm chained to the past. My past pain, my past guilt, suffering and hurt and grief. I want to be a happy person, but I can't reach forward toward what God has for me because I'm constantly played. I'm in a prison of my past. And we're going to need to talk about that today. And I think that this is going to be very, very helpful uh, to you. By the way, because I don't want to forget it at the end of this talk, last uh, last week of this series is actually going to be next Sunday. It's going to be the fifth and final message in this series. And friends, I'm just saying to you, it is a message that you will not want to miss. I hope you're going to be here. I hope you're going to bring somebody with you. And then two weeks from today is going to uh, be Mother's Day, and we're going to do some very special things that day. But I would imagine 
as we talk about what is a relevant topic for today, that most everyone here has something in your past that you would love to get rid of, but the fact of the matter is you can't. We cannot erase it. I mean, we need to move beyond it and express reason for this talk. But we can't change it. It is there. We cannot deny it. It is there. But today, although we cannot go back and erase our past, and as I'll get into, and you can see from a passage in Philippians what Paul is talking about, that you can't just blot it from your memory uh, mysteriously. The reality is today I want to share with you how, can you how you can break free from the pain of your past. And the power that your past has held over your life, possibly to this point, preventing joy and happiness from being at the level that God wants it to be for your life and at the level that you want to experience in your own life personally. And this happens. It happens to a lot of people. And I imagine that it happens to, to a lot of people that are here today, that there's a hurt in the past that you're having a problem getting over, or there's a habit that you cannot break, or there is a sense of guilt for something that you have done, or a betrayal that has happened to you, or there's a catastrophic breakup that has occurred in your life, or loss of some kind, or a bad choice that you yourself made, or a damaged relationship, or an injustice of some kind. And it's like, how can I be happy? How can I be a joyful person? And, and the reality is you're struggling to become that because there's something that is behind you that is keeping you from experiencing all that God intended for your life. Now, there's a very powerful passage that I want to take you to right now that is in this, this New Testament book that we've been looking at together, Philippians. And I want you to look at these words uh, with me from the great church leader, Paul. Philippians 3, we'll pick up at verse 12. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, I'm not there yet. I haven't experienced all that God has intended for my life yet. But one thing I do, and this is what you and I are going to have to do, forgetting what is behind, and we'll come back to that word forgetting, forgetting what is behind and straining toward sort of an athletic metaphor. I'm straining, I'm reaching with everything that is within me toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You and I get what Paul is saying here, don't we? He's saying there is my past and I cannot disown my past. My past is what it is. It is what it is. And in Paul's case, he had a very dicey past when you really think about it. I would imagine that Paul had a past, as bad as your past may have been, that is much worse than yours. Because one of the things that is on Paul's resume of past accomplishments was actually no accomplishment at all. And that is the murdering of Christians simply because they wanted to follow Jesus Christ. In fact, at the time that Paul became a believer in Jesus, he was actually on this road leading to Damascus. And it was his full intention to, once he got there, is to take men and women who were followers of Jesus and had them put into prison. When Stephen, this great, phenomenal early church leader, this godly, godly man, was being stoned to death because of his faith in Jesus, who does it say was, was there giving his approval? 
Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he was known, known at the time, and he was holding the garments of those who were stoning Stephen, giving his full assent that that is something that ought to be done and something that he gave 100% approval for. And Paul is just saying, you know what? My past is what, I, what it is. I can't do anything about it. It is my past, and it is behind me. But now I'm looking at my life, and I have a goal, and it is not what is behind me that I'm going to stay focused on. It is what is ahead of me. And, and you know what he's saying? He's saying what you and I ought to be saying. Paul is saying this. I see in the future the person that God wants me to become. I see in the future the life that God wants me to live. I see ahead of me the contribution to life that God wants me to make. I see the relationship with him that he wants me to experience and enjoy. And this is what Paul is saying. And it's again what you and I ought to be saying. He is saying, I am absolutely refusing to allow what is back there to become a roadblock for what is up ahead of my life. I am in diligent pursuit of an approaching goal, and I consciously, this is so important, I'm going to say it a couple of times, you really need to hear this, I am going to consciously choose the power of God rather than the power of my past to become the guiding influence of my life. Let me say that again. Paul is saying, you know what I'm going to choose? I'm going to make a decision right here, right now, just as you and I should, that I will not allow the power of my past to influence my future. I will allow the power of God to become the thing that will dictate the future direction of my life. Please listen, friends. God's plan is not that even one of us would become or remain a victim of our past simply hoping that one day, one day, our pain will just mysteriously disappear, that, uh, that our resentment or our guilt is just going to vanish. That's not how we live. Instead, that you and I would cooperate with God so that the chains of our past might be broken. But God wants that for your life. I I'm not going to ask you, of course, what your past is, I'm not going to ask you to stand up and tell us or to write it in, but your past is your past, and God wants to break the chains of our past so that we might become a much better, wiser, more joyful person. Just a side note here before we get a little bit deeper into this talk, and the side note is simply this. When Paul said, and you saw it with me, I pointed it out to you intentionally. When Paul said that he was forgetting his past, he was not implying that he could erase it from his memory. What Paul is implying is this. It is this idea that in regards to my past, I know that I can't erase it from my memory, but I'm going to look at my past. I'm going to acknowledge it for what it is. And then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to learn from my past and then I'm going to leave it behind. And I'm going to let it go. And the fact of the matter is, friends, and I see this again and again as a pastor, and, and it just is grievous to me that there's a lot of people who never learn from their past. And let me just say this. This is so important. If you don't learn from your past, here's what's going to happen. You're merely going to repeat your past. If you don't learn from it, you're going to repeat your past uh, again and, and again. And here's the reality for all of us. If we, if we don't say, you know what, I, I'm going to acknowledge it. I, I, I wish I could erase it from my memory, but I can't. I, I'm going to acknowledge it. I, I'm going to look at it for what it is, but I'm going to learn from it because I don't want to repeat it. I want to leave it behind. But all the time, people really repeat their, their past. Uh, people who um, maybe are, maybe because of who they are, their personality or just you know, their, their mindset or their attitude, 
person who maybe in a past relationship just absolutely blew that relationship up. And if they don't acknowledge that and if they don't learn from it, just say, you know what, I'm going to be different in the future. The reality is they're probably going to repeat the same mistakes of their past. If somebody has a habit or somebody has an addiction and they don't acknowledge it for what it was and they just over time forget how bad it was. In fact, I know of a person right now, I know him very, very well, who, who is falling. And, and again, it, it's just, I, I I want to just shake this person, not in an angry way, but in a loving way and say, you know, don't you remember what it was like? Don't you remember how low you were, how, how your life was just so down and so discouraging and so depressing because of the habits and the addictions that you had in your life? And this person's been doing so good for so long, and now they're meddling back in their past again. And I want to just say, don't go there. Don't forget how bad it was. But this person, unfortunately, has not learned from their past and because they have not, they will most likely repeat their past. A person who, you know, for example, has gotten into trouble because they don't know how to manage money and they don't acknowledge that. And they don't learn from it and leave it behind. You know, they could, they could inherit a lot of money or they could win the lottery and they'd be broke all over again. Why? Because they have not learned from the pain of the past or work ethic. And they're just saying, you know what? Uh, they look at their work ethic, but they don't look at it, you know, with real eyes. And it's just like, you know what? I've just had negative experiences with 18 different companies. How is it that I've worked for 18 different bad companies and it's always the company that they're working for, the job they have, and it's never them. And because they don't acknowledge that it may be something finely tuned to their own work ethic or lack thereof, actually, they just repeat it again and again and they can't keep a job. Why? Because they don't have a good work ethic and it's always the job, it's always the business, it's always the boss, it's always the people. And the reality is, friend, God wants us to move forward in our future but we've got to learn from our past mistakes and then be willing to let it go. Here's a verse that has a lot to say about it. And, and I figured that you would appreciate this verse right before lunch today. So I want you to take a look at it. It's out of the Proverbs. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. How many of you are glad I gave that to you right before lunch? As a dog returns to his vomit. How gross is that? How gross... I better be careful because I'll go in a direction I don't have time to. But just how gross is vomit? I mean, really, think about it. How gross is vomit? I, I don't want to even talk about it, so I'll just make the statement, and then I'll, I want to quickly move on. How many, how many of you, again, I don't want to go there. I'm tempted to, but I'm not. How many of you have ever seen vomit before? Let me just, just wave at me like, you ever seen vomit? Are you like me? If you ever see vomit, there, there's probably going to be another pile right next to it because it's going to just sort of create it within you. And the wisest man who ever lived said this. Go back to it, if you would, guys, for just a moment. Wisest person who ever lived outside of Jesus said, as a dog returns to his vomit, we'd be like, why would a dog do that? This writer says, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Just goes back to it. A writer has made this great statement. My past will inform me, but I will not allow it to deform me. My past will educate me, but it will not devastate me. So what I want to do in the remainder of our time, and I don't have a lot of time here, but I can do this in the moments that we have remaining. I want to talk to you about our past in kind of a three-dimensional kind of way, sort of the problem and the solution. And I'll go ahead and tell you what I'm going to talk about before I get there. See, when you and I are dealing with the pain of the past, it generally happens at one of three levels. It is the pain of our past in regards to something that we have done, all right? Our past, and while we're a prisoner to our past, may be on the basis of something that we have done wrong, 
Or secondly, it could be on the basis of something that's been done wrong to us. Or thirdly, and finally, and I'll hit on all three pretty quickly, or it may just be that it's not something that we've done or something that somebody else has done. It may just be the pain of the past of, of life, that life have, has had some cutting blows to it. So let's talk about that in the few minutes we have remaining. And let's begin with this one. What wrong have I done? What wrong have I done? See, the thing that may be holding you back in your past that is keeping you from moving forward in the joy and the happiness that God has for your life may be something that, uh, that you yourself have done. What is troubling you most concerning your past is actually the bad that you have committed. And again, forgetting the past is not a magical elimination from our memory. It is to learn from those past mistakes. It is to learn from those past failures. And that involves acknowledging them and owning them. You know, the fact of the matter is, a lot of times we are blind to our own mistakes and failures. How many of you know this? It is always easier to find the sin in somebody else's life than it is to find the sin in your own life. Isn't that true? I can spot your sin easier than I can spot my sin, but the reverse of that is also true. You can see my sin much quicker than you can see your own. It's the way that we are. And we don't always have this self-appraising attitude that we ought to have. It's why the psalmist said this. Look at these two verses out of Psalm. I think it's 139. Take a look at these two verses. Search me, O God, the psalmist said. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Look at these, these words right here. So important. Point out anything in me that offends you. God, just do that. Show it to me. Put a spotlight on it. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, show me what I've done wrong. Help me, help me to acknowledge that. Help me to see it for what it is. Dr. Les Parrott, many of you have heard that name, has written this. The only effective way to deal with guilt is to confess and change your behavior because you are genuinely sorry for the pain that your wrongdoing has caused. So if our past, the thing that is holding us back, is something that we have done wrong. We just need to honestly come before God. And if we're not seeing it with clarity in the manner that we ought to, we just say, God, show me, reveal to me. God, point out to me, what is it that I've done wrong? And then the key word, the operative word, when God reveals our sin to us, of course, and here's the big word associated with this first one, the thing that we need to do is we need to repent. We need to say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. The reason that this is bad is because I've done this. I'm the one that's done wrong. God revealed to me. And then when God shows you, then you look at it for what it is. And, and then you confess it. And, and you ask God to forgive you of it. And you repent of your sin. And then once you've done that, then you have a choice to make. You can either just stay camped out there in your guilt or your shame, floundered around in it, or you can press on to the future that God has ahead of you. I don't know if you've done this, but I've done this at least 2.3 million times where I've done wrong and I knew I was wrong and I was convicted by it and I confessed it to God and I repented of it. And I said, I'm, God, I'm sorry. And I've prayed prayers. God, thank you that your word says your mercy is new every morning. Thank you for your outrageous grace. Not only saved me, sustains me every day of my life. And God, you know that I've blown it. I've sinned, you know, and I've made a mistake. And God, please forgive me of my sin. And then I receive the forgiveness 
forgiveness of God. But have you ever done this thing that I've done so many times? Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, I'm back to that same prayer all over again. Are you saying, Jeff, do you sin that rapidly that you're having to confess sin every five or 10 minutes? No, it's just that I'm praying that same prayer. And you know what I'm doing? I'm questioning the forgiveness of God. And God's like saying, Jeff, you don't get it, do you? Didn't you ask me to forgive you? Yes. Then why won't you receive my forgiveness? Did you repent of your sin? Yes. Then why do you keep coming back to me again and again with the same old wave at me if you've ever done something like that? Am I the only one that's ever done that? And God's saying, I have forgiven you. But a lot of people are chained to their past guilt and shame, and they never move beyond it to happiness and joy because they wallow in their past. So the first is the wrong that I have done. Secondly, be sure you get this. This is the wrong that has been done to me. This is some, when somebody has hurt you, somebody has cheated you, somebody has wronged you, somebody has attacked you. And when this happened, lots of people become stuck in their past and consequently end up forfeiting a joy-filled life. Well, what do you do when that happens? And I'm going to give you a key word, an operative word. If it's when something we've done more wrong, then the word is repent. In the case when wrong has been done to us, here's a word I want to give you. And you already, many of you know what this word is. You knew I was going this direction. It is the word forgive. You've got to forgive. Because if we remain trapped here, bitterness and resentment will fester and bitterness and, and resentment cannot exist together with joy and happiness. See, you cannot be a joyful person and filled with resentment at the same time. The two will not coexist. You cannot be a happy person and a bitter person all at the same time. There's always going to be things in, that are going to occur in your life that are going to be upsetting to you. There's always things that are going to be unfair. There's always things that are going to aggravate you, things that are make, going to make you angry. I don't know why I was thinking about this recently, but I was, you know how sometimes you're driving along or you're doing something and just this uh, thought comes into your mind. You've not thought about it for years. And this thought came into my mind recently where, um, where there was something that made me so angry. I love golf. A lot of you love golf. And this has been a number of years ago. It was so long ago, my boys, both of them were quite small. And they're with me. We're golfing together, a friend. And one of them is riding with me. And, and it was fairways. Those of you who golf, like one, one person or group is teeing off this direction. You're teeing off that direction. They're going to go this way. You're going to go that way toward the green. And so it was one of those kind of courses. And I get in the car after my son and I have teed off. And I'm driving along, headed toward our ball for our second shot. And I mean, out of nowhere, I felt one of the most intense pains that I'd felt in a very long time. Something hit my knee. And then I knew immediately what it was because the golf ball ricocheted around in the golf cart. And I'm like, I'm like, where did that come from? And I look and on this other fairway, there's guys standing there and, and I'm, I am so mad. I'm like, every golfer ought to know that if you hit a golf ball and it's going in the direction of somebody you yell for. And I'm just so, I'm so mad. Do you think in that moment? And, and listen, I'm ashamed to tell you this. I was so mad. And, and I realized I'm a pastor. <laughs> but I'm vulnerable enough to tell you in that moment, because when I looked down, it took just a few, I mean, maybe 30 seconds, I looked down, and there was a knot on my kneecap about the size of a golf ball, and it's hurting, and I'm so mad. And I'd love to tell you that I jumped out of that cart and said, bless you. <laughs> bless you. May God's face shine upon you. May you experience the favor of God. 
all your days, including in this current round of golf. I didn't feel that. I mean, I was so mad. I hate to tell you this. I said a couple of things, not bad words. Not, I, I didn't say, my boys will still tell you. They, they've never heard me say any bad words. I've thought about a lot of bad words, but I've, you know, they've never heard. Me. And so it wasn't that, I, but I was so, I'm like, don't you know how to yell for? Don't you? I'm just so angry. And then all of a sudden, two realities hit me. Reality number one, you got your boys with you, and they're learning from you. Christian dad. And then I had a second thought. I'm going to act this way, and then this guy's going to show up at my church next week, and when I get up in the message, he's going to be sitting in the back saying, four, 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 just taunting me. See, there's going to be a lot of things in your life that's going to make you angry, but you got to move on. You got to forgive. And again, that's just a, a, you know, a comical illustration, but there's some heavy stuff that happens to us. I need to mention this because a lot of time we get confused on this reality. When you forgive someone, it is not because they deserve it. Oftentimes they may not. See, I know how we often think in this regard. We think, you know, here's what's going to happen. I will forgive this person as soon as they ask for forgiveness. I have a word for you. It's actually words. Don't hold your breath. They may never come and say they're sorry. They may never come and ask for forgiveness. But you don't forgive because they deserve it. You know why you forgive? Because you want to get out of that prison of hurt and resentment that is holding you back from the joy that God has for your life. Read this verse with me, Colossians 3, 13. Let's all read it together. It's a great verse. Here it is. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. And that helps. Helps me when I need to forgive somebody to remember I don't want hurt and resentment to grow in my life. I need to keep in mind that I need to forgive because Jesus has forgiven me for a whole lot more than what what I need to forgive this person for. And to forgive is not always the same as to re-enter the relationship. Sometimes it would be negative. Uh, Consequently, to to enter a relationship, it's not necessarily, forgiveness is not the same as doing that. Sometimes that would be the worst we could do, but we still forgive. And when I forgive, I am letting go of my desire for revenge. And what might this look like practically? I mean, maybe it's something where you write a letter. And you write a letter, and and then you send the letter. But sometimes, can I just tell you what you need to do? Sometimes you need to write the letter and just sort of live in the letter for a moment, and then you need to tear it up and throw it in the trash can and never send it to the person. You need to forgive. Maybe you need to meet with them. Maybe you need to instead meet with God and have a conversation with God. Sometimes the person you, you want to, you know, hear them say... I was wrong and give you that opportunity to respond appropriately. You don't even know where they live. Maybe they're not even alive. But you don't forgive, and I don't forgive because they come to us and offer an apology. Great if they do. And we don't forgive just because they may finally deserve for us to forgive. They may never deserve for us to forgive them. But we do it because Jesus has forgiven us of so much. And because we will not live with hurt and resentment the rest of our days, we want to be joyful and we want to be happy. Wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. 
So how many of you today, you'd say, you know, Jeff, like, I'm like you. There's things that I've done wrong that I've needed to read. I'm not going to ask you why. Just say, that first one's for me. That first one's for me. There's, I just need to, you know, own up to what I've done. I need to repent. I don't want to be chained. And then once I've done that, I don't want to be a slave to my guilt and shame. And then others of you wave at me if the second one is yours. It's like, you know what? In my case, it's not that I need to repent. I just need to forgive. Just wave at me like this a little bit. I just need to forgive. All right, last one. It is not when we have done wrong. It is not when someone has done wrong to us. It's what went wrong. And this involves regret. And I'll be real quickly. I'll be real quick here because we're almost out of time. This involves regret. And regret will always keep us from experiencing real joy. With regret, there's this attachment to what could have been. uh, Or to a certain perspective that I have. Or to an evaluation of my own current circumstances. Regret is close kin with disappointment. And it can be an imaginary thing in our thinking. It's this sense of regret where a person says, and a lot of people live their lives this way. If only this would happen, then I would be a happy person. If this would happen, if this one thing would happen in my life, then I'd be happy. And a person sets himself up for failure because that thing may never happen. Or it may be that it should never happen. Our person adversely says, you know, I'd be happy if only this had not happened in my life. And again, it's about regret. And, you know, I wish that things, I wish this would happen or I wish that it wouldn't have happened. And had it happened, I would be happy. Had this not happened, I would be joyful. And you just can't live your life that way. You can't live your life with regret. And the only way to move out of the trap of regret, it is to have hope. It is trusting that God has a great future for your life. And that your future is actually going to be better than what your past has been. Romans 8, 28. I want you to look at this last verse as we close. We're out of time, but I want you to see this verse. Romans 8, 28. A lot of you know this verse. And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you just look at those, those two words, all things, on that top line. Those In all things. God's able to bring something good out of it. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, God is able to take something that's been so negative and so painful and so hurtful in your life and bring something good out of it. Is it something that you've done? Are you played? Are you a prisoner to your past because it's something that you've done? And maybe you need to repent over and then you need to move beyond your guilt and shame and you've just struggled. It's like you're always, every day of your life, living with guilt and shame like a heavy ball. And do you need to receive the forgiveness of God? Do you need to forgive yourself and move on to become the happy person that God wants you to be? Is it that you need to forgive somebody that's hurt you, somebody that's wounded you, somebody that's done you wrong? And then once you do that, you move toward what, friend, I don't know what God is saying to you in this moment, but this is what I know. God does not want you to be a prisoner to your past. God wants you to move beyond it. And we go back to those words of Paul where he said, you know what, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting what is behind. I'm not going to keep living my life looking over my shoulder. I'm not going to be a slave to my past. Instead, I'm going to strain Everything within me goes after what God has for my life. I'm not going to keep living back here. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be. I'm going to live the kind of life that God wants me to live. I'm going to have the kind of relationships with people that God wants me to have. I'm going to have the kind of relationship with God that he intended. 
See, if you're a slave to your past, if you're a slave to your past, you're right where the evil one wants you. God wants you to move beyond that because God has a much better life that he has planned and destined for you. Would you stand with me for a closing prayer? Father, thank you. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for the power of your word. For many of us, this is going to change our life today because we are no longer going to live our lives filled with guilt and shame. We are sorry. We have said our, we are sorry. We have repented. And yet guilt and shame hangs on us like a heavy weight. No more, no more, no more. We're moving beyond that. God, we're going to forgive. Not because people deserve necessarily to have been forgiven. Not because they've come and asked to be forgiven. But we forgive because we're not going to live in bitterness and resentment. We're not going to miss out on the joy and the life that you intended for us. And God, we're not going to live our life with regret. We're not going to walk around the rest of our days saying, I will ultimately be happy if this will happen. Or I would be a happy person had this not happened. We don't choose to live that way. Help us, God, to move forward with the future that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. I love you, everybody. Have an awesome week. See you next Sunday.